0: You better train for me, because I'm training for you We gotta love, love, and revolution to do You better train for me, I'll be training for you Episode 28, Making Peace with Natural Death, A Hard Lesson in Hyponatremia Originally published August 5th, 2022 this is an interesting topic which, as I am kind of shifting from less external analysis of geopolitics and philosophy and just what other people are doing and how they're doing it and how I think or feel about it, um, really... At this moment, um, because of the conditions that I'm experiencing in my experimental research project, off-grid, off-road, in the mountains, in the desert, in the peak of um, summer temperatures with some, yeah, some serious heat waves that... uh, Seem to be pretty pretty constant. I mean, the heat wave levels that are that are happening around the world. My generally my my high temperatures are above those numbers, and they have been for weeks, and will remain so for weeks. So I'm basically in a experiencing now for the second time in my life. This is the second year of being relatively un relatively um uh, primitively sheltered from from those temperatures around the clock and um and hacking the the survival skills to to stay alive and to adapt and to learn how how to cope with some of the extremes, and it's a scary process because if encountering conditions that that uh, that you've never encountered before, doing it alone, relying on your medical survival reference manuals and and training and whatnot up to this point, um, you can only hope for the best. So. And and really, uh, it's been a path of of just extremely minimizing risk as much as possible, minimizing exposure to direct sunlight, and and then working on these different um, MacGyver type science experiment hacks to stay to, to stay buffered from the extreme heat enough to where the the body does its magic to maintain core temperature within a range that doesn't end up going from heat exhaustion to heat stroke basically and and another a number of other associated issues and conditions that can arise along that continuum so i would say What I learned last year and what I'm experiencing again this year is that basically from somewhere around mid-June to late-August-ish, it's pretty much chronic, 24-7, unavoidable, around-the-clock heat exhaustion symptoms that have to be constantly mitigated. And, um, yeah, I was just reading an old uh, Army survival field manual and interestingly enough I'm doing just about exactly what was recommended a hundred years ago this was a manual from the forties and uh, and basically saying that um, soldiers are going to do their best to wear lighter um, lighter fabrics and, and, and have lighter loads um, but eventually the heat will catch up to them and if they experience the, the symptoms of heat exhaustion or leading to heat stroke then well heat exhaustion mainly because heat stroke requires even more extreme interventions and I'm aware of what to look out for mainly the the uh, drying up of sweat, basically being unable to being unable to sweat, and um, and then it, and just an increasing intensity of a lot of the other milder symptoms of, of heat exhaustion, including things like dizziness and nausea and dry mouth and sort of cognitive impairment. different um so so for me my indicator is am I still am I am I still generating moisture on the surface of my skin and and this two and two still four and stuff like that but uh but their recommendation or their strategy knowing that they did not have access in the field to air-conditioned med tents or field hospitals or established hospitals that they that they said basically you would just they use the word douching i don't know that's interesting it must be a different term time of the use of the term but basically it seemed like the context was dousing basically dousing taking off uh, taking off their clothes dousing them with water and then fanning them preferably with an electric fan so basically they described my entire my entire lifestyle however I, I douse myself with water in in a controlled manner with spray bottles and and damp cloths and whatnot and um, and of course of course that that was the first the first uh, element of that strategy was being in is Put them in the shade. Take up their clothes. Douse them with water. Hit them with the electric fan. And uh, and I'm like, okay, well, that's what they did to stay alive in the field hundred over a hundred years ago, or almost a hundred years ago. And there were no other options, and that was the only way that they would that they would it put into a into a survival medical survival manual for for extreme extreme weather condition survival and um in operation so yeah it's it's i guess something that you wouldn't you would intuit if you had the water to spare a lot of times hikers and whatnot you know stranded no water anywhere that's a much more dangerous situation and 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 myself, I don't see myself as like a, a very bold, remote hiking sort of um, adventurer, where I want to be in a situation where I'm I'm far away from my supplies, um, or far away from from an, an organization that's going to deliver supplies. To wherever they're needed, to whoever is in the field, even if they're on a singleton mission, as it were. But in my situation, this is uh, remote, off-grid, off, off-road homesteading, solo, and um, outside of the golden hour of, uh, of, of access to. To emergency medical care on the outside world, so yeah, it just means being being very reserved and trying to trying to moderate behavior according to the extremes. And um, unfortunately, yeah, despite all my best efforts and the cumulative knowledge that I have built up, it's like everything that you have learned about the extreme conditions is applicable for strategies to mitigate those extreme conditions and those strategies work until they don't and what you know about your your limits and your reaction and 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 ability to adjust to things it's it's useful and it works until it doesn't and it's just uh it's just a a very magical miraculous process that uh there's so many almost infinite processes of of physiological intelligence and and adaptation that are happening at all times in the body just under normal temperatures under normal conditions of of hydration and um, nutrition and stress and rest and whatnot so when those when all of those factors are thrown off um, in, in extreme conditions of climate, then, yeah, you're, you're uh, without a, without being in a controlled experiment in a hospital with all kinds of equipment and all kinds of doctors doing all kinds of tests all the time. And I've been in those medical studies where that is the, that is, the exact setup of like trying to isolate and monitor and control and, and record every fluctuation of every baseline that they, that they took from you before you took a study drug or whatever that that's, <laughs> that I I'm, I'm able to contrast that level of, of, of being monitored to, to the total opposite um, or to where I'm, I'm up to doing it myself, so in the absence of um, a lot of high tech equipment, it's more about the the organic kind of in, in indicators and just trying to maintain a large buffer between exposures and extremes and whatnot and so the, really, the best indicator for myself, and of course, none of this is medical or legal advice for anybody else. But this is just me being honest about this ex- this exploration, because um, the research I'm doing now that I'm documenting is going to serve me throughout the rest of my life as I as I continue to venture into more and more phases of deeper and deeper independence from the powers that be the the man, uh, the systems of support, the global food supply of uh, supply chain, and to become more and more immersed in a in a, a self-made uh, ecological balance ecological abundance. And I've said before, right now at this phase, I'm still, I'm still within range of of cell contact and internet access so I'm still like weaning off or I'm still far from being fully weaned off from the system if I want to if I want to be so daring and bold as to say yeah I've spent a year off grid off-grid off 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 off-road and offline <laughs> and out of comms range that I have not done yet. And there are a lot of people who have been doing it forever. There's a lot of people who have been doing it for decades, for generations, a lot of people who've been doing it ahead of me and, um, maybe alone, maybe with the community, maybe with the family. And, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm still feeling like I'm in, I'm in a very remedial stage of, of, of going to those extremes, um, where I can, if I'm experiencing something weird medically, I can go through a decision tree about how I want to react. And ultimately it w- it would be, it would be a, a last resort. And it, and it, it obviously for many reasons, is a last resort. Uh, but but it's not impossible. It's not implausible that I would be able to, um, assuming I can access a means of communication that I could signal for an emergency um, medical evacuation. But obviously, for reasons of finances and and pride and 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 just not wanting to burden the system with my dumbass making rookie mistakes in, in desert survival and whatnot, um, I want to try to tough it out as much as I can, but interestingly enough, the, uh, a scenario arose which nullified even that possibility, and so this gets to become more of like a, a little bit more of a of a a wilderness survival thriller episode. Um, trying, I'm, obviously, I'm a little bit deflated. I'm not feeling as as uh, as happy-go-lucky as normal because it is a little bit of a falling on the sword experience to to do a report to report on my own um, sort of failure but also with a sense of curiosity and a sense of uh, well I survived a, a, what what could have been a very catastrophic and what I, I would call maybe a, a mid-range death experience it's not it wasn't it wasn't far from death it wasn't near death in the sense that that my my breathing stopped or my heart stopped long enough for me to see the, the white light and and be in limbo and see my body from above and wonder if I was going to get brought back and have an encounter with some archangel who said, Your work's not done. You're going to go back or your work is done. No, nothing to that. Ex- nothing. It wasn't to that extreme. But so I would call it like a mid-death experience. Um, and so yeah with all that said I would I would like to give myself the uh, the credit that I'm operating by the book it's, to my knowledge doing everything right doing things that I have survived that I I I were successful last year and that um, and that I'm I'd like to think I'm building on the success of last year in terms of this 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 uh, controlled semi-controlled degree of of, of primitive sheltering and and, minima, and being exposed to the elements but but applying the um, the, the strategies and the, the the gear and whatnot that's relatively low tech to be able to um, to survive the extremes and so yeah, I feel like I'm. I am doing. I. I'm not. I did not make an egregious mistake that I feel extremely shameful about. But I encountered an a, an X factor, a, a wild card, that uh, that was a real game changing, um, eye opening, mid death experience. So here's where I will get into describing it a bit. So how do I, um, yeah, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to just lay out the, lay out the facts without, without sidebarring on the um, hypotheses and, 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 and comments on them. So f- a few days ago, enough days ago now to know that uh, that I seem to be in the clear, I woke up and as I have been waking up strangely almost every hour on the hour, save a few hours or a couple few hours, waking up and being experiencing the effect of the body, Uh, opening the dilating the capillaries of the extremities and feels like a lot on the face so waking up with a really hot a really hot feeling face and a very sort of almost somewhat below the extremes of a feverish uh, temperature but but just waking up uncomfortable not feeling parched or not having a a dry mouth but but waking up mainly not out of thirst but waking up more out of a sense of just the being it's, it's uncomfortable uncomfortably hot and even though the temperature is is lower than it is during the day and I felt I would feel less hot during the day what I discovered is that because the body needs to drop, needs to actually proactively by various means drop the core body temperature by a couple of deg- degrees at night in order to sleep properly, that part of the physiology to achieve that is to, is to dilate um, capillaries on the surface of the skin in various places as a way to Use that um, to to release heat from the blood by allowing it to be more to be more freely dissolved um, closer to the surface of the skin. So so that is like a cycle that's happening apparently for me about every hour throughout the early morning hours of the night, waking up to a, to a face that is, um, that's, that's uncomfortably hot and then taking drinks of water and a few drinks of water and then spraying down my, my head, my very, uh, short hair now, spraying down the head, spraying down the face, um, letting that drip down onto a a towel over my pillow and then that, that dampness, um, on, on the, the towel creates a nice, a nice, um, coolness around my head and neck. And I'm also wrapping a a, a dampened length of, uh, of sheet around my, around my neck to keep the blood cool through those high circulation points. And, um, yeah, I'm able to still dream. I have interrupted REM sleep cycles, but I do dream, which is enough for me to know that okay, this is it's not great, but it's better than I would be concerned if I wasn't dreaming at all and I would take that as an indication that I'm not achieving REM sleep at all, which means I'm in trouble for functioning during the day at all, of course, and and even and worse things could be accumulating in terms of just not not going through the full cycle at all but I'm dreaming between every wake up cycle which is good and uh and it's it's less miserable than last year because I'm building in more of this having more water supply than I did last year I'm able to apply more water and not be so scarce with it so um and I'll, obviously that means I'm able to the I guess the cooler I keep the cooler I'm able to keep the the blood through these means, um, the less water and therefore electrolytes I'm going to lose through sweating out my sweating it out from the inside out. So if I can continue to apply water on the surface and drink water, then I don't risk flushing out all my electrolytes. So with that sort of, um, strategy working well and consistently and and actually feeling when w- yeah during the during the cooler hours of the morning when I when I wake up and I get up before dawn and then I have a I literally have a few hours before it gets uncomfortably hot again and in that time I can take that wrap off the neck and I can just basically relax fully and and just feel feel very um grateful that there is a a, a release a relief from the extreme temperatures and just have a little breakfast and some tea and and relax and listen to pods and meditate and do a little bit of shamanic drumming and whatnot and just um not moving around a lot but then obviously getting up watering the garden and doing Whatever tax I need to, getting lunch ready and and whatnot, but just very very tai chi paced movements uh, with everything, and uh, no and generally feeling this that while there is a little bit of just exhaustion, I mean at more like quite a bit of exhaustion. Like if we wake up in the morning and you feel like you were you were breaking concrete for. 8 hours and you just got off work that's that's how i feel after i sleep and wake up so it's pretty much like going from mildly exhausted or for feeling like pretty 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 heavily exhausted to extremely exhausted to the point where you can't move at all but there's never a point where i feel like um not exhausted and not worn down and degraded if i have not felt degraded in cognitive capacity but i have felt on a continuum of degradation of of uh of energy and and not quite motor skills to where i'm walking funny and worrying about balance but that's would be the scariest thing because i've said many times and it's no joke that if i If I were to dare to move around anywhere near when the sun was about to come out or be out high in the sky and I were to have a a fainting spell or a degradation of motor skills to where I, I trip and fall and that injury compounded with being exhausted already, compounding with being however disoriented I might be in the moment that's let alone actually losing consciousness and and blacking out for whatever reason which is always a possibility but that would be i mean that's the worst 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 case scenario but but a very feasible scenario is that even the slightest bit of losing balance can result in a a domino effect of injuries uh, that lead to losing consciousness, and then and then seconds count when the sun is baking and there's no shade. So all these fa- variables, it's a matter of sneaking around the sun and sneaking around the the, the peak temperatures and and just trying to be hyper aware of my so it's like very much a martial arts sort of tai chi like walking on a log in in the lake kind of a thing standing on it's like yeah mean being hyper aware of of every element of balance and just making every movement extremely slow um and deliberate and and so far so good uh and so far so good with the adapting to the night cycle and just getting by and it's like these are the longest days of my life i've never felt time go by slower in my life even when i yeah even 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 in circumstances where where you would think that, that you couldn't top that yeah <laughs> i won't go into detail but yeah i've been you know i've been in places where time 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 moves slow and i'll leave it at that but um but this is uh yeah the this is the slowest time ever because without trying to be agitated and obviously it's a meditation exercise it's very much a character building exercise of like how how to be zen about these days literally being long i mean they're long in terms of the numbers uh, the numbers of hours of sunlight but they're long in terms of wanting the psychology of wanting to get to the other side of this season alive and um and that that the inescapable fact of time not speeding up i can't turn a crank and make the clock go faster so and 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 i can't do much to like get in the zone of an activity i can do a little bit of reading but that becomes laborious so mainly it's podcasts and documentaries and luckily um you know luckily with that that online connection and off-grid solar i can just basically lay and lay low and uh, and and listen, catch up on my archive and queue of of pods and um, and videos and whatnot, documentaries and whatnot. So obviously, I get to learn a lot. This is a time of extreme compression of, of learning, and I do feel like my ability to learn is is preserved very well. It's only just the moving around part and uh, and the sitting up and doing things i mean i can do a few couple few hours of work on the computer before midday given the fans and the raps and whatnot um but that starts it starts to feel extremely extremely torturous <laughs> to just use the keyboard look at the screen and whatnot so yeah tough to be a tough for a workaholic this is a this is a workaholic uh treatment camp (laughs) because it'll knock you out and of course more time introspection where I will shut everything off and I will just do that inner work and that introspection and that life review stuff so plenty of that going on as well which is obviously you can never catch up on that enough and it'll always be biting your ankles um Unresolved issues, and even going back and realizing you know burying hatchets in my own mind and forgiving people and forgiving myself and reliving experiences, letting them go I mean that's all processing that has to happen, and um can't just dump all of that onto m d m a or ayahuasca or psilocybin or anything else or a therapist or a lover or any or God or anybody like it's important to do that that soul seeking soul-searching work, um, just manually, uh, and so it's a good opportunity for that, and so I think I come out a better person, I do, I do want to survive, I do have more reasons to live, and, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm forced to go through what a lot of the more sort of extreme spiritual, uh, retreats would would be intending to do which is to just take you out of the um the patterns of life that 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 allow you to build crutches that keep you from doing the real shadow work so yeah that's all happening now getting i know i'm still meandering but this is all um i guess i guess there's no way there's it's it's not really it's not really feasible for me to just clinically walk through the timeline, but without without expanding on on the significance, the meaning, and, and the the purpose behind a lot of what's built into the experience. But but getting closer to the um, the acute extreme event where where this um, where despite best efforts. And despite having a, a decent sense of knowing what what to look out for, something did uh, creep up so fast that it was impossible to anticipate or to mitigate, and it was a medical emergency that thankfully resolved that's uh, that's 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 the spoiler i am alive despite having the mid-death experience but here's what happened so after one of the seemingly successful nights of feeling okay not feeling not feeling worse than normal but having that sense of exo- of just chronic exhaustion and then getting up in the morning and going through normal normal what would be a a, a normal routine of 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 light very slow moving uh somewhat uh, or, or mildly exhausted mildly um degraded physical sort of energy level but but not degraded motor skills and not degraded Uh, cognitive skills and just going about a normal a normal morning activities and then having the sense to um did feel a sense of being less hydrated than than i would than i'd be happy being normally and um and so not so drink i did have a session of drinking not a tiny bit but a little bit more water in a short in a little bit shorter period of time than than normal and it's um yeah not I I know it's ill advised to I mean every it, it's ill advised to overeat it's ill advised to over drink anything it's ill advised to overdo anything at any time even if you're really hungry even if you're really thirsty and so I would say I take I I dock myself a point for ha- for having known better and for 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 realizing that like whereas there are times where there's times where I'll wake up and I'll be like oh my god this is just worse than it was, it, the worse than it has been, I don't know why I don't care, I'm just gonna like chug water until it's all over my face and I don't even care and I'm just like panting and, and then I'm fine, you know, and then, and then I'm great so that so to me that's not, that I had not um, had any issues with doing that. In fact, I would feel like, okay, that's, um, it, it was pretty routine for me, for me to do that, for me to just get to a point to be like, I don't care anytime during the day or night, if I feel like, you know, uh, I w I basically, I was not holding myself to a very, very strict, um, sort of cadence of drinking water and and being very strict about about limiting the amount per per drinking session to a very relatively small amount just just to be extra cautious about the potential of any adverse effects from drinking too much at once or even the fact that when i do that and it's a little bit frenzied and you know i would do that just doing a normal day of work in the city or whatever just and it, like it, it's not out of character for for me to to chug half of half, half of my water bottle at once and then fill it up and and then be sipping off of it for a few hours and then you know let's say after exertion after digging a ditch i'm going to pound it you know and, and and just no problem and i'm just back to good and sure i lost a little bit on my shirt <laughs> But, uh, but, but I would never, I had never, ever, 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 ever in my life had any problems, even after, even working in extreme heat and doing very, very exhaustive labor, ever had a problem with chugging water after losing a bunch of water, sweating out a bunch of water on the job, and, and, and feeling, um, that I need to pound water and uh yeah so having never had a problem with that before I wouldn't just I wouldn't assume that it was just that it would ever be a problem um under these circumstances but the difference is the difference between any other time I had done that before and the situation I'm in now is that now there is a chronic grinding 24-7 cumulative unrelenting sweating out even if it's mitigated by other factors i am constantly sweating out i'm urinating less uh obviously so the so there's there's concentrations of toxins there's leaching of electrolytes there's uh all of the effects of just mild chronic suboptimal balances of fluids and and so just to keep that maintained and to not push it by not exerting myself um yeah it's already in the red it's already in the danger zone and so so for me just to be like oh i feel okay i can do the morning and get back to hiding out and laying low and just being on maintenance um what what is what's difficult to 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 gauge and what creeps up is like if you're already in the red how much is there a red within the red you know how do you perceive that red within the red so that's the nuance that uh I would not have now now knowing better so what I so having having made that mistake of like being in the mild red and then going into the into the extreme red happened instantaneously despite everything sort of feeling okay and that was that having that little bit of um of uh of pounding that water um wasn't it wasn't for it wasn't that fast it wasn't that much but it was just enough under the conditions to cause an acute reaction, which I had never experienced before, and so here it goes after having after chugging water and um, again not not feeling like I was risking my life by doing so. but also admitting that i do know that um that obviously now i learned a hard lesson but but um but well i guess i cannot say that i did not know better than to have put myself on an extremely strict that was okay in the old paradigm but you're not in the old paradigm that was okay if you dig a dig a trench in the winter, but it's not okay now because you're experiencing a cumulative depletion and you have to not do that. <laughs> and, and, um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I would say that I, I have ingested the knowledge that, that I should have not done that. Um, but, um, but you don't always do everything right. And you're not always, um, you know, uh, not always remembering all that technical minutia until something bad happens and then you'll never forget it so that's the point I'm at now so with that said I did drink uh, I did chug some water and then within seconds of drinking it I went into a form of what I would what I believe can be described as a, a form of shock which there are many forms of shock but luckily it did not involve um it did not involve convulsions it did not involve a um a obstruction of of breathing or or a disruption of breathing and it did not seem to involve uh, a a problem with circulation or the heart but what it was it was a form of—I um, I, I don't know if you, this would be a, a, a textbook form of shock. There are a variety, and I just studied them in the EMT training uh, video series. And so, I don't believe this would be um, this. This would be sort of akin to a type of shock where, where basically, for if, if I want to not be held to that term i would say a a major acute um involuntary autonomic physiological reaction to a to a condition an acute onset of a condition and what that so yeah that that would probably be the best way to say it and and actually the the I'll get to what I discovered that how I would diagnose it and how I identify it I'll get to that in a bit but to explain what I experienced without knowing what was happening and without knowing immediately how to categorize it or how to basically just living through it was that what occurred was a an immediate extreme cramping and now i realize that that term is is deceptive because it seems milder than it really is and what 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 cramping as a as a response to an an electrolyte imbalance what that looks like which i did not i was not trained to um yeah i've never i've never treated anyone with acute um, electrolyte imbalanced induced cramping of of muscles and um, i've never responded to myself or anyone in that situation i've never seen that physiological reaction um, now and so when I've read about cramping. And when I think about one of the first things that came to my mind was like a flashback from the, from the movie Platoon where Charlie Sheen is, is, uh, is restrained from drinking too much water by, his, by the platoon he's marching with his, uh, the fellow soldiers because they, to- they say they don't want him cramping up. And obviously they would know and they've got to survive and do a mission and march and it's life and death life or death but uh but yeah that immediately so that was that was if i had to put anybody in a cinematic moment that would be the me as the fucking new guy (laughs) the fng with the platoon who doesn't know better than not to just be sipping that canteen because a, a cramp isn't just a mild sort of discomfort A cramp can be debilitating, literally debilitating, and actually, hopefully, not more than temporarily, but temporarily paralyzing for whatever limbs or extremities or muscle groups are affected. So... Yeah, I did not have myself a, a, an imprint of like, oh, I know what happened. I drank too much water. They like just like they told them not to do in platoon. Now I'm gonna hit the deck. I'm gonna suffer. I'm gonna experience pain and and cramping. But then I'll be fine. I just need it'll. It, I just needs to wear off and sort itself out. And I just need to. Drink only drink more regularly and drink in smaller amounts and and move on um, no, this was so extreme, I did not know what to make of it, and I did not immediately associate it even with the drinking of too much water i I felt like um it was so extreme and so out of nowhere uh and so totalizing so it, it basically it was my fists to my elbows and, and 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 up to my shoulders on both sides clamping down so that my, my fists were completely immovable. I lost all sensation. I had no I basically was, was numb and paralyzed. I mean paralyzed is probably the wrong word because there are there is an electrical signal going to um it's just it's just stuck in a in a clamped um in a clamped position uh but i cannot feel it so feel basically i have these these um maximum muscular tension uh fists and arms clenched on on both sides like I'm doing like I'm hanging on a pull-up bar basically but I'm not and there's no pull-up bar and my legs uh below the knees cramp up the calves and the feet I, I did the feet didn't seem to curl backwards um but they but it but there was clenching and mainly the calves and then I'm basically, yeah, stuck in that position, and I can only barely move my torso and my pelvis and my neck and head, my face feels uh, numb and and tense and flushed. Um, and I'm realizing that, like, okay, the first response in my mind is that Okay, I'm having some. Wh- wh- my first response is that this is like tetanus. This is a, this is a, te- because I have seen, I have seen uh, illustrations of the tetanus clenching reaction that is totalizing and basically the whole body can snap. And I'm just thinking, yeah, this, that was the image that flashed in my mind. The, the platoon image came later. The first image was like, this is something the only reference point i have in in my consciousness and my consciousness felt like it was fully present i didn't i guess the the onset of it it, because it didn't just happen instantaneously it 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 was a gradient to get to that point of tension but that great so the gradient experience was was what i would describe as like if you stand up too fast and you get dizzy and you you see stars and you go you you fade to black and you pass out and you hit the floor. And that's, that's happened a few times in my life. You know, it's called getting up too fast. And, you know, blood is, you have low blood pressure from laying down. And, um, that's not like a condition I have. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced some degree of that. And it's often recommended that you get up, you try to get up slowly, you get up in, in stages, you do a little breathing you know, maybe even do a little bit of calisthenics while you're sitting up to get some blood flow and oxygen flow. And then you stand up slowly and maybe you stand up with a little bit of support. And, um I mean, obviously that affects older people a lot, but it's, but I've had that experience even as a child. And literally, <laughs> literally not being able to hold on to anything, shaking, falling and falling dead weight continuing to shake and then and then coming out of it being glad you didn't fold your knee backwards or cut or scrape something or knock yourself out worse and you know that's only happened like a couple of times but normally after after knowing that that was possible uh, then realizing okay if I ever get up too fast and feel that i better brace myself i better get into a position where i can collapse safely into a safe position into a safe area and uh that's just good you know it's not like being a ninja doing a ninja roll, but it is important like in uh, jiu-jitsu I-, I was taught ways to fall on the mats slapping the arms back so that you you diffuse the energy of falling and diffuse it across joints and roll the joints a bit and whatnot. So there is an art to (laughs) like losing consciousness and falling as safely as possible with whatever you have left. But in this, this was, um, luckily I was in a seated position and I could basically roll myself into, into cushions, um, to where i was safe and i was lucky luckily to be very early in the morning and the sun was not quite out yet so i knew i had time i knew i had time for it to wear off i knew i had time to think as i was able to think and luckily i was not blacking out but i had no guarantee in my mind that i wasn't going to lose full consciousness go into a coma who knows so which are which I discover later, yeah, there's all these things are I mean, all these things can happen for any reason. you just never know. You never know when you might have some uh, genetic disorder inherited that just uh, that just occurs um, out of nowhere that was a ticking time bomb that gets you at some point in in usually later life, and it just comes out of nowhere and it can be very un un unwarned or unsignaled un, no no notice you know to get to to go from 0 to 60 of an extreme onset of a condition so you know i don't know if it's if it's something like that i don't know if it's something i did or didn't do or what is going on i don't know if i got bit or stung i imagine that that is the sort of time window that i would have if i was bit by a snake or stung by a scorpion um, to where you just your window on reality starts to shut and you start to tunnel and cave in and your body is going to go into what or anaphylactic shock another example you know i didn't my throat wasn't wasn't closing in but i did but that sense of like impending doom functions shutting down body caving in curling up luckily not shaking not not, um, uh, no distortion of perception really. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was left in this little, (laughs) I was, I was left able to consciously control my breath, able to think. And just with the, with that, with those devices left to me, with those faculties intact, to just navigate this sensation of being numb in the legs and arms clamped down more with more strength than i've ever experienced before and having having to um first and foremost carefully roll into a safer position that i could not fall from and uh and then from that point of being in a in a a stable stabilized semi-stabilized position on a cushion on the on the uh at a lower a lower point um at that point i could start to reverse engineer and use deductive reasoning and say okay I'm, i'm able to breathe so i'm going to breathe powerfully and would try not to hyperventilate to make it worse but try to get if 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 this is an issue of of um poor oxygenation of the blood organs starting to have adverse reactions to all these compounding factors i just added water but so that shouldn't be so i should have some relief from dehydration however that's the that's the the double-edged sword that is the the curse of dehydration is that water on top of dehydration without electrolytes added to it actually can harm you worse and cause the conditions to accelerate in the worst direction and so that was the that was what um, what I began to to speculate but first 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 still dealing with the idea that this could be a tetanus clamping response or some other weird bizarre reaction to some bite or sting or something weird so my main concern at that point was not the electrolyte situation it was what happens if this clamping does not stop and what happens if I start convulsing and start thrashing around and injuring myself not being able to feel it or stop it while i'm clamping so hard that and i can't feel pain from it so i don't know if i'm breaking bones or causing damage and i can't literally pry do there's nothing i can do to pry to pry my my fists open and uh and it's not getting better it's staying very much like acute and this was for about ten minutes solid, where it did not change at all, and so that was frightening. And um, and so the first measure, so after getting yeah into reposition, the first measure was like, okay, I want to, I want to attempt to uh, extract. Ex- I want to force my fingers open. I want to open these fists because I don't want that. I don't want that tension to continue to where it's going to buckle the knuckles and whatever cause the, the types of bone damage that I know is possible that I did have that come out of the back of my mind. What happens if, you know, you can do skeletal damage, break bones from muscles contracting too tightly. And if they're on some sort of, no pun intended, they're on a tear, (laughs) they're responding to some stimuli that's happening at the nervous system level that's beyond my control and, and 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 just part of some syndrome now i've got to mitigate that somehow by force so because i was able to rotate my shoulders enough i was able to basically push my my hand my hand over to it to the ledge of an object to where I could basically with a little bit of strength and a little bit of of mobility in my the rotation of my shoulder I could I could drag the fingers open and then of course they would just they would just uh re reassume that clenched position so I was so I would have to drag and drag and drag over until luckily I have a lot of a lot of rocks that I place around for different purposes to hold things down in the wind and whatnot to hold fabric down so I had two rocks I was able to use this tactic to get my hands opened around two rocks so I would know that at least no matter how hard the muscle cramps are going to happen they're not going to push past that that obstacle and they're not going to there's not going to be damage from that that uh, overextension of those of that range of mo- of movement um, And yeah i'm i'm thinking well i guess i hope that i don't have convulsions now that i have locked lethal weapons into my hands basically the earliest lethal weapons i've got these stone tools now welded to my clenched fist And both hands and i hope that the that the 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 harm reduction of protecting my muscles from breaking my bones in my hands is was the right trade-off to put myself at risk now for having for being able to clobber myself to death autonomically through some sort of convulsion that could occur and um and Side note, seizures happen with a storm of activity in the brain. Convulsions happen with um, random erratic movements uh, of the body. So a lot of people, I think, uh, including myself, might confuse those semantics. But uh, it seems like the, the logic would be a seizure in the brain can lead to convulsions, but they're not necessarily correlated and a seizure can occur without any physical manifestations of movement so violent or otherwise so (laughs) yeah i'm i'm enjoying the fact that uh that well there may be seizures that i'm not aware of i'm not experiencing indications of that and what appears to be happening is some sort of electrical system malfunction of nervous system signal or or electrical signals being sent to clamp those muscles down and um and i am i had been aware of that potential but just not to that extreme i would not have i would not have expected that that mild dehydration is going to cause that extreme of a condition i had the only thing i could associate with it was somehow somehow tetanus just creeped up on me and this and it hit me out of nowhere or it had the or some sort of bite or sting or some other bizarre thing but um but the thing is it's not it's 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 a it's a it's a constellation of factors involved with with dehydration which which is yeah in order to be dehydrated you would had to have you would have had to have sweated out electrolytes so so good news is I keep breathing, I breathe intentionally to maintain as much oxygen and blood flow because I don't want to have what basically the equivalent of hypothermia damage where lack of blood flow, if I'm clenching, if lactic acid's building up and clenching muscles so hard, eventually at some point I figure that can't be good for the tissues to not be getting relaxed and cycled through lactic acid purging and oxygenation, so so I'm just trying to breathe, hoping and and, and doing a little bit of is a little bit of movement, a little bit of trying to get the trying to not let anything clamp up and just keep circular motions going a little bit, um, breathing, and then yeah, feeling like okay, once that once I was in that to that level of um, of uh, of of response, then I had time to just do nothing for the next. Uh, several minutes, uh, to think about the predicament and, um, and, and just survive through it. So the thoughts, this is where it gets philosophical, but I, I, yeah, so I will get into the, 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 the philosophical, um, Where 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 my mind went and how I processed the the psychology of it and the philosophy of it, and then after after sharing a bit of that, I'll get into reading exactly what I discovered was the was the most probable given my austere circumstances uh, diagnosis of the of the problem, and then what I have done since to mitigate. <laughs> That issue, and to stave it off, and so far so good. Knock on bamboo. I haven't approached that, and I and I intend not to. Um, but I am humbled, and uh, and I am. Um, it, it was a it was a a merit badge to survive it, but also a demerit to have to have um to have been exposed to it but the reality is (laughs) i'm asking for it at this point so uh, whether whether i think whether i'm think i'm doing my best or not the only way (laughs) the only way to not be exposed to this is to tap out be a city slicker go get a job get covid five times a year without sick leave or 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 um Or or a a functioning uh, health system, health insurance system, and be at the mercy of um, the variants of COVID. And to me, (laughs) so yeah, we'll get into that thought process of like, first thing, obviously, I'm thinking is, oh, my God, if I survive this, I have to tap out. I'm crazy. Everyone knew I was crazy. Everyone said I was crazy. Um, I, I was the cavalier... I'm going to be the the you know the the bold um survivalist and and push myself to the extremes and you know I'm not the only one doing this there are people doing extreme everything out there and they're sponsored and they're famous and they're you know sp- sporty instagram models everything like I I got none of that. I'm just trying to grow some of my own food and and try to avoid the plagues and and live in peace and live my own way and and uh leave people alone and be left alone. A pretty humble extreme survival uh experience um but but I'm sharing it with you. But yeah, I'm thinking like okay, <laughs> I guess I guess I can't I guess I'm this is too foolhardy to try to do this out here alone um yeah it would be a totally different scenario if there was if this was a small team small group where we said we're going to do this but we're going to have each other's backs and you know the odds of us all having an acute episode at once are minimal so we'll take turns nursing each other and that would be a far more optimal strategy, but hey, they say no man's an island. Well, yeah, you can be an island until you're not, until you're a dead island. So (laughs) so it's a gamble with my life doing this, but it's a gamble with my life not doing this. (laughs) So there I am thinking, thinking through the economics of No, I can't. I'm actually beyond the point of no return, and because of my risk modeling with COVID and more, I choose to gamble with my life and my survival skills in in this circumstance over playing roulette with public. Health and epidemiology right now that's my choice and um, and this was this was the time this was a moment where that choice became as as night and day as 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 clearly defined as ever because I really am there really is a high stakes gamble it's not it's not I'm not larping desert survival this is desert survival now cody lundin would would laugh at me and say no dude you're fucking camping because you got all your kit and he would be right so i'm doing desert survival camping sir cody lundin who i bow down to and respect and 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 more than almost anyone on earth you're right um this is desert survival camping it is not desert survival in the purest sense of you your blade and the desert and that's it <laughs> and uh so I, I i acknowledge that um but yeah it is it is uh it's something where the stakes are high and uh so i'm laying there and curled up <laughs> still clenched up saying to myself I guess this is it. If I survive this I'm and I'm not horribly damaged, I may survive this and I may be horribly damaged. I mean, that was the mindset of the thought too. Is it like, I don't have any, I don't have any confidence that I'm going to come out of this experience without partially being paralyzed or without losing some function or without having mechanically injured myself in this process to a point Where Or what if I start bleeding out and then I bleed out and that is what does it? I mean, you know, (laughs) I'm sitting there going, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this, but this this has got to be the point where I cut, where I throw in the towel. This has got to be the point where I call time out. I can't risk this happening again. If I survive this... And I don't leave after this immediately and go, that was, okay, I it was, hey, I tried. I know I tried. I can have that acknowledgement of myself that I tried, but I've got to go back to whatever. I've got to go back to be within range of, if there's a medical emergency, someone can, you know, respond. Um, at least that, whatever it looks like. But while really all that could ever be is going back within the matrix, going back within all of the city laws, all of the codes and ordinances and paying to be a part of every system and being subject to all of the backwash of all of the toxins and all of the pollutants and all of the crazy and all of the risk and all of the corruption and crime and everything I left the city to get away from. So no... And now in that and, and, and that in that sort of range of thinking, you know it's like um, I came out here to get away from that if I die out here before now, theoretically i I had to believe that I would be okay with it now, I know that if that is it that that was that that would be it i mean at that point i had I had to go through the process of saying. Of, of 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 not, I wasn't going through some neurotic um, stages of grief or reckoning, bargaining, anger. No, it was like, you signed up for this. If you die out here, you can die peacefully knowing that it is the, it is the, um, it's the job it is the uh I'm not asking anyone any any favors to clean up after me if I die out here because it is the job of those authorities and those those service providers. it's their job to find people who 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 die of whatever of exposure on their homestead in the middle of nowhere, in the mountains. That's their job. That's how they find people That's their job all day, every day. And so it's an interesting thing of like, oh yeah, absolve yourself of feeling like a guilt, guilty about being like a burden. It's like, no, that's the job. The state does that. And sometimes, you know, they miss a spot. Sometimes they don't even know what happens. Sometimes they don't find you for years. No one's complaining. There's no foul play. You're not a missing person. Whatever, like that's just rural living. That's how rural living works. I'm not used to that. Um, you know, and some people they're 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 more uh some people have more family, they go to church, whatever. I don't go to church, I don't have family out here, I don't relate to anyone out here, no one is gonna go fishing with me next week and wonder where I am. I am in a very pristine position. To expire, and for for and to be be consumed by the wildlife, and hopefully not stink enough for anyone within that range of stink to smell the body, you know. And um, yeah, that's a little bit morbid, but it's also a part of what ninjas do, if, if I dare say so myself, is meditate on death are you ready for your own death you cannot be a warrior of any kind if you are not prepared to meet your to meet that death and psych be psychologically prepared for it so you know in a modern sense military servicemen go off onto a deployment they have to refresh their last will documentation they're forced by procedure to to square that stuff away and so uh yeah this is not like uh, uh this is has nothing to do with um I mean this is so shameful that in a, a world of mental health crisis and 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 just the the taboo of even having any clue about death whatsoever I think people would be a lot more re- resistance to suicide if they had a healthier attitude and relationship towards death and dying and that you would respect it more so i respect death and dying to the point where i do not want to be i don't i don't want to die in the form that i'm a burden to anyone else emotionally or logistically or or anything else if i die on my land of exposure to the elements of old age of whatever it is that the only individuals that I can do so in a way that doesn't that doesn't produce an odor <laughs> that doesn't that it happens in a way where 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 I'm not a nuisance to anyone. I would prefer that. Um, you know that's not that's not. I don't want to die getting hit by a bus. You know what I mean. I don't want to die in prison. I don't want to die on a battlefield uh, of of a, of a a war that I don't believe in. Um, Yeah, I would like to I would like to die peacefully On my own land, gracefully And in a way that is not a nuisance uh, uh, A nuisance to anyone else And to where Eventually, if the authorities do What they are paid to do That they do so, and they do so And they see, oh, there's an old guy With a beautiful Oasis forest garden in the desert And look, he died Smiling and um, And and hopefully it wasn't because he had an electrolyte imbalance. But with all that said, I'm looking up at the sky and I'm thinking I'm in a position to where, yeah, if this is it, it's pretty graceful. And I'm, I will be feel pretty like on a scale of one to ten, this is about as paradisical and idyllic and fan, fantastical of a, of, a, of a way to go out it's on it's like a 7.5 you <laughs> couldn't get much better you know i'm not harming anyone i didn't jeopardize anyone that's that, that's that and uh, and it was a good run you know like <laughs> i'm glad i didn't die with my life my whole life ahead of me i'm glad i didn't die having suffering years of chronic pain I'm not really in... I'm not in any pain. I didn't feel pain. It was just bizarre. But if it, but if it was going to lead to a coma and blacking out, and if I, I realized, like, okay, I, I'm hopefully I lose consciousness before the sun fully comes up, because if I can't move now, and I'm just, like, indefinitely paralyzed, even if I'm only paralyzed for half a day, not being able to access water for that, that many hours, and the sun coming out... I probably will actually die of like sun exposure, like actual heat stroke death um, because I can't mitigate it because I can't move my hands, you know, and that's that. And, uh, and barely, barely move my legs, but can't walk. So that's that. That's the philosophy of it. That is the, that is me encountering that extreme. And if that's, if that's what people are doing, tempting fate with, cliff jumping and skydiving and remote extreme whatever this and that and reality tv show this and that like facing that if that's the goal to know yourself after that peak that climax of like it's not a theoretical anymore like this is as close to the because yeah if i i mean the funny thing is it's like yeah if i had not lost the ability to use my hands i could i could blow a survival uh, emergency whistle or i could make us make a emergency phone call or some use some kind of beacon but now i guess what it comes down to is that i would have to have some sort of some sort of um necklace beacon button that could be activated by pressing it without dexterity of the fingers and um you know, I think some people do have that. That's a service you can pay for to have this sort of like GPS emergency beacon, where they're going to send those helicopters out for you, no matter where you are in the world. So you better mean it, and you better not bump that by accident. But I'm, I'm aware of that existing. Um, I'm not. I'm not ready to upgrade to that at this point. And uh, and I, yeah, I, that's just the way it is. That's just that is was what it is. It was an edge case of being like yep, this is perfect storm of not being able to call for help and being in a situation where if this doesn't wear off and I can't start moving again before the sun comes up, I will die today and hopefully I will be blacked out when that happens. And so these are my last thoughts, my last breaths, my last prayers, whatever. It really was just a sense of deep peace that I... I will be remembered without having had any huge scandal, any major incident, any great harm done to anyone else that could just undermine the legacy of art and creativity and expression that I do hold sacred about what I've done with my life, which I think has been about in a neo-shamanic sense about creating empowering artwork and giving back to the community and doing that with... Visual arts and musical arts and actually transforming the landscape by installing gardens and leaving places greener than I left them and leaving a green footprint of life wherever i wherever I traveled to, and having had a lot of good love and a lot of true love, and just having had a really good despite all of the trauma and all of the things I could complain and gripe about, I alchemized the trauma and I made beautiful. Um, healing art out of that, and all of the tendencies that could be corrupting and could be um, um, selling out, and all of the things that I could be canceled for as a as a as a platform. Like to die, yeah, die a hero before you become a villain. There's a certain <laughs> death wish of that, but I'm gonna keep trying to maintain at least the level of grace and high regard for myself that I had at that moment. And that means continuing to just try to stay alive, stay out of trouble, stay out of drama, continue to reduce attack surface on my digital life, continue to complicate authentication into my, my private sphere and um and just just sustain that grace because i do feel whole enough knowing i've achieved enough as an artist as an activist as a rebel whatever to to say i can die proud and um and i can die any day so any day is a good day to die and it's an even better day to live so yeah, if I'm not going to make any prescriptions for anyone else, but I will say it is a good feeling. And I'm gl- I know there are people out there who, if they were in that moment, they would say, I was a piece of shit, I hurt people, I harmed people, I abused people, I'm a serial this, a serial that, and now I'm going to die and I don't have any time. There's no time left on the clock to turn it around. Like, imagine if Ebenezer Scrooge died before he could wake up the next day and right his wrongs and he just died knowing that he fucked everything up and that was it you know I mean that would have been his greatest fear to die without the chance to correct those karmic mistakes but for my for me I had those those what Tony Robbins would call the Dickens pattern I had those wake-up calls enough earlier in life enough to where I feel like I course-corrected. And at least I know now I'm in a situation where I'm doing... I have very, very little risk of doing harm to anyone else. So whatever eggs I broke, making omelets along the way, hopefully I didn't step on next to get ahead in the social climbing, pageantry, fucking prom... prom night psychology, social psychology of trying to be somebody that I could, that I was able to be somebody to have significance, do it without stepping on necks, without cutting throats to get ahead. And with the harm I did along the way, the eggs that I broke, that I made amends and that no one despises me that I know of. And a lot of people love me and a lot of people are at a safe distance to where if I died and they know that Ben was doing his thing and he died out there facing the elements and he was free and he lived his dream and until it caught up to him and so be it. I'm not breaking anyone's heart. I'm not going to plunge anyone into extreme um, despair and they can have the same little Lester Burnham grin that I've got just about the absurdity of life, the comedy of life, and the hope that we all savor and cherish the moments of, of true love that we, that we're, um, that we're able to earn. So yeah. Okay. Before I get weepy, I'll move on and get down to the technical, the technical after incident report now of like, Okay. How did that happen? How do I make sure it doesn't happen again? Because after that ten minutes of response and reflection, gradually, slowly, sensation and movement—it's almost like having your leg fall asleep, and then and then once it comes back, you you, you sleep on your arm, you wake up and you lose. Sensation, and then the pins and needles come back, and slowly, one digit at a time, you can move around a little bit. That's that's how it came back, and I sensed it coming back. And I'm like, okay, that was a close call. That was a wake up call. That was a shock. That was a shocker. Um, no pun intended. And then, of course, I had to devote myself the time to actually studying what could, what could possibly have been the cause. And how do I mitigate? So I will just skip over now to the Wikipedia article on what is called hyponatremia. So I dis- I filtered down from a study of dehydration, electrolyte imbalance. Exhaustion, overexertion, exercise—I basically funneled down through that top level of like. Okay, it's an electrolyte issue. Obviously, I did not proactively add electrolytes to the water that I drank, and had I done so, I would have been—I would have been able to consume that larger quantity in that shorter period of time, and probably not had that disruption whatsoever, and it probably would have had the desired effect that I wanted for. So, this is where it gets into that health nut debate against, um, the marketing of, of, of electrolyte rehydration sports drinks versus plain water versus water with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, uh, of, um, sea salt in it. Um, so I'm not going to go into all of that, but I will say I had established the practice last year and this is one thing now i know this is why i realized that this is the first thing i went to was like what has changed what has changed is i stopped eating canned vegetables i gave myself that first year to wean off of canned canned vegetables and of course those contain a ton of sodium so i know last year i was i was over the top sodium year-round no matter what and this year I tapered off of the well. I ran out of all those cans, and I've been down to just the the vegetables I'm growing, and those. And I preserve that vegetable soup in a brine, which has a high sodium percentage because it is a salt brine. But I I I, I imagine that if I did the actual scientific testing, that I would discover that that I'm having lower... that I have a generally lower sodium level than I did last year. So. That is something that that was a a factor that uh, that was unacknowledged that I should have mitigated against as I did last year because one of my friends who is a a, a Burning Man goer went with his partner and I don't remember what year this was but but she had a, a you know a lot of people on the playa you hear they unless you've gone there you might have experienced it you know are going to have these these experiences of uh, of acute heat. Illness issues, and so they've got to be strict about electrolytes, and they've got medics out there, and they know what the fuck they're doing. It's not their first rodeo, and this is what I experience is what a lot of burners would laugh at me and say, "Yeah, dude, you're a newbie, uh, a newbie burner casualty is what you are, you dumbass. Like you should have been going to Burning Man all those years, and then you would have learned your lesson, you would have known better." But yeah, I was I was just making assumptions that I was doing okay with my electrolytes. And you know, it works until it doesn't and therefore you get to that critical point and then something bad happens. So what I had even been doing last year because I had because I was reminded of someone who had that heat, il- heat illness is like, yeah, put a little bit of put a tiny bit of salt in the water that you drink. Um, And if, and if you're, if you're really suffering, then you need to use a formula that is, would be considered a, a, a a DIY electrolyte rehydration formula. And a lot of that would be a mixture of sugar and, and I'm not going to do the sugar, but, but um, Himalayan salt and, or equivalent and, and pure water. And so it's going to taste like broth you know it's going to taste like salt water but and you're not going to drink that concentration of salt to to water ratio ongoing but you know a lot of people will drink coconut water have uh, basically instead of drinking water they drink beverages that have an electrolyte balance meaning that these minerals that are going to help to provide the the minimum the provide the essential functionality of the electrical uh components needed for the the muscle so because what happens is okay i guess this i'm gonna i'm gonna just get to reading this article now saying that now of course that was the x factor the thing that it became clear that i had not done right was i had not maintained my own rehydration electrolyte solution of of adding a small amount of salt to, to my water supply with a a um a gradient that's relative to situations like this or knowing like okay did i sweat more than usual then i better i better i better respond to that both with the diet as well if i go a day without eating any salty foods that's a part of it too because a lot of the sodium comes in in fact most of it and almost all of it period for most people will be coming in through the diet not through supplements not through a hydration mix on top of water or whatever. So yeah, that was the X factor and now this is what it funnels down to. So I will share share this article, uh skim over it, read a bit of it, and then I'll sign out. So hyponatremia is a low sodium concentration in the blood. It is generally defined as a sodium concentration of less than 135 MMOL slash L which I don't know exactly what that means. With severe hyponatremia being below 120 MEQ L, symptoms can be absent, mild, or severe. Sim- mild symptoms include a decreased ability to think, headaches, nausea, poor balance. Severe symptoms include confusion, seizures, and coma. The causes of hypno... Hy- Hyponatremia are typically classified by a person's body fluid status into low volume, normal volume, or high volume. Low volume hyponatremia can occur from diarrhea, vomiting, diuretics, and sweating. Normal volume hyponatremia is divided into cases with dilute urine and concentrated urine. Cases in which the urine is dilute include adrenal insufficiency, hypothyroidism, and drinking too much water or too much beer. Cases in in which the urine is cases in which the urine is concentrated include syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone secretion. High volume hyponatremia can occur from heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure. Conditions that can lead to falsely low sodium measurements include high blood protein high blood protein levels, such as in multiple myeloma, high blood fat levels, and high blood sugar. Treatment is based on the underlying cause. Correcting hypno, hypnotremia too quickly can lead to complications. Rapid partial correction with 3% normal saline is only recommend recommended in those with significant symptoms and occasionally those in whom the condition was of rapid onset. Low volume hypnotremia Hypnotre- i can't get this word right. Hip Hyponatremia is typically treated with intravenous normal saline. SIADH is typically treated by correcting the underlying cause and with fluid restriction. With high volume, hyponatremia is typically treated with both fluid restriction and a diet low in salt. Correct correction should continually. Er- Corrections should generally be gradual in those in whom the low levels have been present for more than more than two days. Hyponatremia is the most common type of electrolyte imbalance and is often found in older adults. It occurs in about 20% of those admitted to hospital and 10% of people during or after an, an, an endurance sporting event. Among those in hospital, hyponatremia is associated with incre- increased reth- risk of death, the, the economic costs of hyponatremia are estimated at $2.6 billion per annum in the United States. Wow. Signs and symptoms. Signs and symptoms of hyponatremia include nausea and vomiting, headache, short-term memory loss, confusion, lethargy, fatigue, loss of appetite, irritability, muscle weakness, spasms or cramps, seizures, and decreased consciousness or coma. Low levels of plasma sodium are associated with more severe symptoms. However, mild hyponatremia may be associated with complications and subtle symptoms, for example, increased increased falls, altered posture and gait, reduced attention, impaired cognition, and possibly higher rates of death. Neurological symptoms typically occur with very low levels of plasma sodium. When sodium levels in the blood become very low, water enters the brain cells and causes them to swell cerebral edema. This results in increased pressure in the skull and causes hyponatremic encephalopathy. As pressure increases in the skull, herniation of the brain can occur, which is squeezing the brain across the internal structure of the skull. This can lead to headache, nausea, vomiting, confusion, seizures, brainstem compression, respiratory arrest, non-cardio, non-cardiogenic accumulation of fluid in the lungs. This is usually fatal if not immediately treated. Okay, so I'm going to stop there and say, and st- and say that... Um, i i pull, i was able to 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 uh i got about halfway to that to 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 where that was the danger zone because if i would have not been able to recover from the point i was at and immediately do a rehydration um salt rehydration drink and then drink that slowly and stay rested in the shade if i would not have been able to to medicate myself under that condition that i was in and i would have continued to dehydrate i would have gone into that or that would have been yeah the basically the the pathophysiology uh, leading to death from exposure to the elements ultimately that that's that's the path that i was on i was headed straight for that that fate and um And it was to me the most blessed factor was that it happened so early in the morning that that I I, I at least was calm and thinking that okay this however long this needs to wear off it it has the most time window to wear off before it could be before there's no way out you know so anyway. All that is to say, the solution is. I'm not going to read. Continue to read more and more of this, but basically, the solution is the solution, and I'm, I'm, now, um, being, being extra uh, cautious and aware of my dietary sodium intake deficiencies, and and adding salt into the diet. carefully and and also um maintaining maintaining a a, a, a better more more disciplined baseline of of sip, staying staying at a higher level of hydration by sipping more often and to, from it being you know an annoyance and a chore to being a habit of like okay sip 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 sip, sip and just doing that interval 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 and that being a spiritual practice and a survival practice and uh, and nothing I wouldn't have learned from watching Platoon if I would have now yeah everything Platoon is a very interesting film because what Oliver Stone did besides just critiquing the the debauchery and the and the the hellishness of the, the politics of it was actually Showing, I, I thought it was an interesting study of like the, the 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 hygiene and the health and the 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 actual jungle survival tactics that 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 uh, that get that evolve within a platoon of how they realize what they got to do to keep their junk from rotting off and to keep from cramping up from drinking too much water at once and how to pace themselves and missions and all that stuff. I mean, that's not it's not LARPing with munitions or airsoft or whatever, or playing video games. If you're like, yeah, you know what? I want to, I want to know how to survive in austere settings in the wilderness. Yeah. These manuals, what these soldiers have had to do, it doesn't get more extreme than that. Water purification and yeah, what the green berets do. I mean, that's as extreme as it gets. So, um, so it's no joke to learn that stuff and to and to to learn the hard way sometimes so there i am had learned that the hard way and i'm going to hope that uh i don't get sucked back into that black hole of um of clamping up and if i do you know i will um hopefully again make it out the other side and then i'll have to reassess the wisdom of this gamble but but at least hopefully between now and then i will have done i will have have done no more harm to anyone else i will have cleaned up more of my earthly mess and <laughs> and until my final day i will i will continue to to reduce harm and clean up my mess and and just be less of a burden and less of a mess for anyone to have to deal with ever and um yeah and so cheers you <laughs> Great.